Hey everyone, Brent Mutis here from Capu Blues Department of Athletics and Recreation. We had a lot of fun on this discussion for our latest episode of the Capu Blues podcast. A lot of laughs, some pretty unbelievable stories. Hope you enjoy this one. Now let's get ready for episode number three. Okay, our guest today has one of the more unique pre-CAP university stories and probably one of the more unique post-CAP university stories that we're going to come across on the Blues podcast. And in addition to all that, he is the men's basketball all-time leading point getter. Our guest today on the CAPU Blues podcast is Choyle Brown. Choyle, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brent. Uh, Thanks for having me on. So uh, we'll get started just kind of like we do with all of them. Uh, Can you catch us up with just where we're speaking to you from today, um, what you're up to these days, and what the last 12 months has been like for you? Uh, Well, I'm here at my my home uh, studio. Actually, I have a broadcast studio. Uh, A lot of people might know that I I actually run SportsCanada.tv. So obviously, we've had an interesting 12 months. Um, We I, I remember we were we basically had set up our last camera. We were, we were doing the U sports um, national championships for, for uh, men's volleyball in Winnipeg. And, and we were just completely, like, it was the night before the event and we just finished our entire setup. And that's when we got the news about the, uh, basically the shutdown of, of more or less the country. Um, and since that day, we basically, we've, we haven't like amateur sports has been um, pretty much dead. So it's been uh um, a pretty slow year, but thankfully I used that time. Um, and, uh, I, we actually built a broadcast studio in my second bedroom. And so we were now set up to do kind of remote broadcasts and, and, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Thanks for that. And, um, <laughs> we will definitely get to sportscanada.tv, obviously, uh, cap you and the athletics program with the blues is, um, a major partner with you and a lot of others. So we will definitely cover that. Uh, as we go forward here, but just to kind of set the scene, like you were on on course, whether you knew it or not, at one point to be uh, a Capu Blues men's basketball player. So, what was growing up for you like, and what was your relationship to sports when you were a kid? Um, I grew up playing soccer. My my family immigrated here from Portugal, um, so my grandpa pretty much started training me to be a soccer player from as I guess as early as I can remember. Um, but unfortunately my grandpa died when I was fairly young <clears throat> and, uh, I think it was like grade six and, and unfortunately my love for soccer died along with him. So I more or less quit soccer cold Turkey at that point. Um, at that time, yeah, I guess it, like, tra- I transferred to Vancouver college, um, in grade seven and I uh, became a pretty hardcore skater, uh, completely removed from team sports. Um, in fact, I, like when I look back, I'm, I think I probably said like three words to the athletes at VC and VC is like pretty much, a um, like a sports school. Um, yeah, my right. three and a half, three and a half years there, I basically just kind of hung out with the skater crowd. Um, and then midway through grade 10, I got kicked out of VC and got sent to a tiny little high school on the UBC campus called university Hill. Right. Um, so there, there wasn't a single, like there wasn't a single skater at U Hills and because it's like pretty much the smallest school, I think maybe in Vancouver, 
uh, you didn't really have that much of a selection of the different kind of cliques to hang out with. Uh, and, and the guys in my grade spent like literally every minute of their free time playing basketball. Um, and up until then, I had never even touched a basketball um, except wow. for may maybe gym class at VC. And, and that was on the random occasions that I actually, actually went to school. Oh, man. Uh, so, but because I was six feet and I could more or less like dunk a volleyball, uh, they convinced me to kind of start playing with them. And it's actually kind of a funny story because uh, I'm like basically this new kid with huge hands and I could jump. Um, so they gave me a quick tryout to join the actual, like their high school team. Um, but that didn't go well. And I was like, promptly cut which kind of hurts because later on I would kind of learn that because I mean that school is so small and there's not very many guys in the grade like no one ever gets cut like there's wow. some really really bad players that make the team so uh yeah so it just kind of shows you I had no clue what I was doing um but but like I said they these guys like we just played non-stop and by the following season in grade 11 um I I would probably say I was the second best player on the team and I, 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 the big reason for that, like my fast development, especially offensively, I think, was because of my teammate, um, Simon Mantelakman, who was our best player. Uh, he was pretty much the best defensive player in the, in the entire Vancouver League. And so every time we played, like whether it was for fun or practice, I was like constantly um, matched up with them because I was, you know, like I was the only guy who could kind of jump with them um he he would have double digit blocks in most games and he was only six four wow. um so i would i'd pretty much have to learn to be like super creative just to kind of score on him mm -hmm. and and then by our <clears throat> by our grade 12 year uh simon and i were dunking fairly easily and <clears throat> for whatever reason our coach decided to put us in the triple a league which was basically the top back then there was no quad yeah. quad a right um and even though we were like small, even for a single A school, um, but we actually ended up, we beat a bunch of teams. Simon and I ended up second and third in, in the league in scoring. Uh, and I like to like, personally, I like to consider our team uh, <clears throat> the best uh, team that you have probably like, maybe ever produced. Uh, right. We didn't really, we did get a lot of coaching. Like we were, I just remember being coached by a couple of uh, UBC students who I think they were doing it just for like credit or something. There was no culture. There was no leadership. Um, yeah, it was just more or less, we were coaching ourselves basically. In high school. Wow. So, uh, the year that, so you were in AAA for the year, like who were the teams in your league? Was it like Lord Bang and Kitts and Point Grey and those schools? Uh, exactly. Yeah. So we, we actually, because it was such a last second decision to, <laughs> to be put in the third, the AAA league, um, like our, I think our coach just was like, like right before he's now oh, we're going to play triple a, like, yeah. you know, um, we actually, there was no more room for us in, in Vancouver West. So we got put in Vancouver East, uh, okay. which is probably a good thing. Cause there, I mean, there was a really good PW team, um, in the, in the West. And so, yeah, so we were playing all these, actually, we were playing some like rough schools, like the, uh, Clarnies and, and, uh, Charles Tupper. Like I, I remember we were probably, you know, we we're just a bunch of like West, West side kids. And, uh, after a game, uh, um, I think I scored like 40 points against, I can't even remember. Was it true? Uh, one of the East side schools. And after the game, one of the players on their team actually like basically pulled a knife on us in, in the parking lot and, and our, uh, teacher, like teacher 
chaperone or whatever basically kind of saved us from from getting into a, a bit of a, a, a fight or actually, they would have kicked their butt but the mean streets of east end yeah yeah so um but yeah it's it was in- yeah go ahead no, it's an interesting, interesting high school journey. It's not typical, right? And that would continue to kind of be a theme for you in terms of, of you know, a not typical path to, uh, to college athletics. So um, I guess, what are we talking here? Like, is this the 92, 93 year that, would, that you're finishing high school? That would be 91. Okay. Uh, because I actually, I remember um, pretty clearly that one of the kind of, uh, Actually, like, there was a couple of things that really kind of changed my life. Like one was uh, in 90, sometime during that season, I remember reading Spud Webb's biography and uh, he had a chapter dedicated to the art of dunking. Right. And I remember reading that book and going to the, the gym the next day and trying out this technique that I'd learned in this chapter. And lob? Could, was it the lob? It was just like, it was, it was more about like your momentum and driving your knee. Uh, I, I think I used to just kind of run towards the hoop as fast as I could. And, <laughs> and he kind of showed you how to change momentum. And literally from that day on, I could dunk relatively easily. So I can, I actually tell a bunch of people, like, hey, if you're always kind of close to being able to dunk, like, I think it's chapter four. It was, it was a game changer for me. Wow. Uh, the other thing I remember clearly uh, was around the end of my season, actually, I was watching the 1991 NBA dunk contest and being totally inspired by it. I had recorded it on VHS and, <laughs> and, and I watched it like over and over nonstop. It was, it was a year the D Brown one where okay. he was pump, pumping up his pumping Reebok up. pumps. Yeah. <laughs> and I happened to be like the same height and weight as D Brown. And, and I mean, I had the same last name. Uh, so he quickly became one of my favorite players. Um, and <clears throat> so I, yeah, obviously I went out and bought the pumps and I, I, literally spent that entire summer learning all his dunks and also also like the uh, rex chat he beat rex chapman in that dunk contest okay and so i copied all of rex chapman's dunks i think kenny if i remember correctly kenny smith was in it so I, um, but for whatever reason that dunk contest was like really kind of important to me it, it's funny because years later when i was working at basketball bc uh, d brown was here doing uh, a coaching clinic oh wow uh, in vancouver and, and uh and at the end of it, they were like, oh, D needs to get to the airport. Can anybody drive him? I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yes, I am. <laughs> That's me. And, uh, and it was cool because I finally got to tell him that story about, you know, him being such an influence on my life. Um, and it was cool because over the next few years, I would enter like dozens of dunk contests and do pretty well with them just from a series of dunks I had stole from that one dunk contest. Wow. So uh, like were these competitions that were just set up around the lower mainland? um they're basically all over the place they be um there's a bunch there used to be a ton like a whole series of three-on-three tournaments uh one was run by colossus theaters which was awesome because the winner uh, i won it both years and the winner got up i had a like basically it's called a big card and i had unlimited free movies for me and a friend um so i could go to any theater (laughs) yeah so i won that two years in a row so i had free movies for two years and i literally saw every movie it didn't matter what it was um i also was in a bunch of dunk contests in in uh in europe because my my friends and i were we would follow the hoop it up tour right um i can we'll talk about that later yeah um and in those ones i won a bunch of those and one of pilot like i was literally giving away shoes because i couldn't bring them all um uh, home um and then oh the other really cool dunk contest i was in was at the 19 
I think it was 98 when the NBA draft was hosted at GM Place in Vancouver. Right. And as kind of like a little demo thing, we had a dunk contest there. And I also won that one where it was awesome because there was like basically thousands of people uh, in in the arena. Yeah. So it was kind of, I mean, most people, I think when they, like even people I met, you know, people who know me know me way more as a dunker than a, than a basketball player. Right. Well, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting thing, right? Cause I'm imagining you, you know, went, we're going to a lot of these competitions through the mid nineties and you were an unaffiliated player. You're like a playground guy. Like if it was New York, you'd been like the Rucker park legend. who was just like unaffiliated, never went to college, at least at that point in time. Uh, exactly. And I, that's kind of the way um, I ended up, you know, like I, got recruited basically from kids beach and yeah we'll get into that <laughs> that is a, a story bit. too yeah yeah and and my whole thing like after high school was all about i used to like every dunk contest in the nba dunk, i would kind of go home like i'd watch it and then basically i'd be in the gym or on the courts like trying to kind of practice uh, and learn them and that all that all came to a stop in the in the 2000 dunk contest uh, i don't know if you remember that one but that was vince carter's year and right. that was when he just took it to Shaq had the video uh, camera on the sidelines yeah. up until then I could pretty much copy stuff. And then, and then right, that was right. one you couldn't do. Yeah. That was just like, forget about it. I remember um, that one. It was, he, he didn't miss one dunk, everything flawless first time. And like stuff I'd never seen. Yeah. And actually it's kind of funny because dunking, like it's come a long way. Like when I watch actually the best dunkers around the world now are like actually professional dunkers and uh, they're just, they're ridiculous. Like, when I watch them, there's actually a Canadian guy, Jordan Klingon, I think. Um, and he does stuff that like me, I, I'm, I was a fairly good dunker and I could not do what he does on an eight foot hoop, like in my wow. prime. It's, it's just, uh, so it's really, it's a whole different ball game now. Is that just um, a YouTube thing people should look up? Yeah, oh, for sure. Jordan Klingon, I think. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I think it's called Flight Brothers. There's literally guys who they live off being dunkers now. It's like the long drive, the long drive event of basketball. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I can like, uh, it's funny. My goal is, is to actually still be able to dunk at 50. Um, right. I could dunk at, I could dunk last year, pre, like at 46 pre pandemic, but I'm super worried now because <laughs> I, I think that's pandemic might be the end of me. I, I've probably put on like five pounds and, and it's all like, it's muscle. Like, it's just not, I just, I, I'm a bit worried that once I get in the gym, it's, it's over for me. Duncan at 46 though. That's still impressive, man. Like Duncan at 50, that's a huge goal. I, I think that's a, a great one to keep in mind. What, what was your playing height and weight? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was like six, one, like one ninety. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm probably might've hit six. Like I'm six, two now. Okay. Uh, but uh, I feel like, yeah, no, it would have been six, two. I, I felt like I had a really weird late gross birth when I, when I went, uh, grew an extra inch. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, so anyways, you're you're a guy that really had to get up there to to pull off impressive dunks. You're not like a six, 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 seven guy. You gotta yeah. do you ever have your, your vertical measured? Uh no, we didn't really uh I can't, like I know now they have all those really cool like our testing never really was I think there's even like mats where you can jump off and it times you, but uh, I was all pretty much pre-technology. Um but at one point I could like I could definitely uh, smack my head pretty hard on the on the backboard oh, um, and i could touch the top of the like the square uh, so i would yeah wow. i wouldn't know with that what how high that's that getting up there that's 11 feet 
Yeah. Man. So did D Brown buy all this when you were driving him to the airport, telling him all about it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was used to it. Yeah. He was just like, who is this <laughs> punk kid? Um, but it was still, it was, it was really neat. Actually, it, like through my years of basketball BC, it was kind of cool to, uh, I also got to meet Dominique Wilkins at an event wow. and, and he was another, obviously a big, huge dunk icon. Um, and it was kind of a, like, I just was talking his ear off and, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, like in my head, I'm like, okay, I gotta stop. I gotta stop this. <laughs> and then, but I had like, I had memories. Like I even knew what song, like there was this NBA video called NBA superstars, like a VHS tape, right. a promo tape that they sent out. And like, I knew every detail about his section and what song his, his set, like, so he knew I was a pretty big fan. And, oh, and so I started to think, okay, I'm taking too much time this time. And I was trying to like, you know, end it so he could go, you know, talk to other people. But then he started, you know, talk, like, like he got into the conversation. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so we ended up just sitting there for like 45 minutes and uh, yeah, that was kind of a thrill for me as well. Oh man. What a great, got to chat up D Brown and, and Dominique two of the, two of the best to do it. Dunkers. That's uh, I did not know that those are a couple of stories you had in your back pocket. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Um, uh, what I wanted to ask you about is, I mean, you were obviously obsessed with the game and like becoming more and more so as you were finishing up at high school, but at U Hill, I guess maybe there weren't a lot of connections between the people that were coaching you and the college ranks, or maybe that was not, maybe college was not something you wanted to do right out of high school, but it's not something that happened, right? Like you graduated grade 12 and you were not in college the next year playing basketball. So no, I mean, is that something you thought about or like, did anyone approach you? Like you had a, a successful year in a triple a league. Did, was it anything that was on the radar at all? And absolutely not. Like we, first of all, I, I, like, like I said, like we didn't, there was no kind of structure. U Hill had never, you know, put a player in a college or anything before. Um, and there, you know, we didn't go to like basketball camps. We had zero like direction and, and uh, yeah, playing basketball, like post-secondary wasn't even like a fraction of something I would think about. Although Simon, uh, my teammate, he, I, obviously he was, he was really good. So he, he got to try out for the provincial team. That was Steve Nash's year. Wow. Um, he he got like recruited to Langara, uh, but there was a pretty big gap between uh, uh, between me and uh, me and Simon. So okay. I really got no um, uh, yeah love from from anywhere. Uh, but but like you said, like I just I just loved basketball, and I kind of I lived pretty close to uh, Kids Beach. Yeah, and and so I just like I literally I would be there. And every sunny day um and i it's kind of funny I, I i remember kind of you know when we were in grade 11 we there's two courts on kids beach one for like the high school kids and you know the kid, and people that aren't very good and then there's kind of the um like the skills court and we used yep. to just kind of I, I just remember always looking over at it like oh you know like how cool would it be to play on that court it, the other side had this kind of hill where tons of people watched um but i was you know i always played with my buddies and yeah, and uh, we weren't good enough to play on that court, but if you know, 
pretty quick, like within that kind of first year, I guess people would notice me like dunking or whatever. And then I would start to, they wouldn't <laughs> invite my friends. Um, <laughs> they'd just be like, Hey, you, do you want to, you know, come play on, uh, on, uh, and my, my friends were like, just like livid. They're like, what are you doing? Like we, you know, we want to run on this court and beat everybody. <laughs> yeah. I could win or stay. <clears throat> right. So it's kind of important yeah. to keep, keep winning. And, uh, but more and more I'd play on the other court and, obviously the players on that, they're all university players. And, um, and, and so I kind of, you know, my, my name started to get uh, more well-known in the basketball circles. And one of the guys who I played with a lot there actually was Rich Cohey. Right. Um, he's really well, like he's a, a bit like, uh, he, he coached like tons of different programs, a pretty well-known guy in the basketball circle sure. at, yep. at that time. Um, and so he was actually the one like, so people would, I was like, literally, I took four years off, I think. For, After and, high school. So like, there was no, like, four years between when you finished high school and when you were thinking about college, you were just working and playing basketball, it sounds like. Exactly. And, and, uh, and but toward, you know, those last couple of years, everybody's like, Troy, like, you really, you should be playing somewhere. Like, it's ridiculous that you're not. And I just kind of kept hearing that. And then, yeah, finally, Rich Cohey one day would, kind of took me aside. He's like, look, I'm coaching Cap Capilano um and uh he'd love for me to come play for him um so so i i, I did i could basically dropped everything in my life um yeah. and and two weeks before the season started he got the job with the grizzlies the maker of oh. grizzlies at the time yeah and so he basically bolted and he you know he called me and apologized and i was like you know what I, this is fine like it's probably something i should be doing anyway yeah um and so i those years were kind of interesting like also like right when i graduated from high school i actually uh opened a uh basketball store on dunbar called hooptown okay uh, i had no clue what i was doing like right. i started uh i just thought i like i like you can probably get it from now i had this crazy love for basketball yeah uh, and i was always I'm, i've always been kind of a bit of an entrepreneur mm -hmm. uh, but i didn't know what i was doing like i opened the store um, it was actually sublet from my, my aunt had her own business on Dunbar, but she had a storefront that she wasn't using. Mm -hmm. So the rent was super cheap, cheap. We actually bought an NBA jam video game, uh, like the, the big arcade game. And oh, because nice. we were pretty close to Lord Bing, the, the, the high school, yep. uh, it more or less paid our rent. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my, when my buddies came after school, they'd come and, um, like, we would basically just put a bunch of credits and open the machine up, put a bunch of credits and just play NBA jam in our, <laughs> in the store. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like, when I look back, I'm like, what was I doing? Like, I just didn't have a clue. Um, but actually it was kind of funny because the Grizzlies were announced during that time. I had that store. I only had the store for like two years. Okay. Um, but when they were announced, um, I actually had it. Like when we got the Grizzlies merchandise, yeah, it was our first ever lineup of like three people, um, <laughs> but uh, but unfortunately, like, I think it was like about a month later, uh, we got broken into uh, like oh, two straight weeks, and and it, like I said, like I didn't know, I didn't know insurance or and like it was it was a big mess. Uh, yeah. So the, the first time I think they kind of tested out our security, and then yeah. the second time they they more or less wiped us out. Oh, uh, so that was kind of the end of. Uh, end of Hooptown. But honestly, like, you know, people always say like, you need to have a bunch of failures before you kind of, you know, uh, and that was definitely, that was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, what a, what a learning experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then I, right, right after that, this is all like basically my kids beach years. Yeah. Um, I got 
my first real job. Like I, I up until then, I'd never had a job anywhere. Uh, and I, I started working at the Bay, the bay and they oh, put man. me in, in the toy department. Oh, man. This wow. goes, this would end up trying to change my life as well. Uh, because uh, one of uh, my co like one of my coworkers who I got along with, he, uh, he was like, yeah, Troy, you should buy this like little collectible, whatever. I think it was like a Spider-Man figure. And I was like, like, what are you crazy? Like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, 21 years, like, I'm not really into toys. Yeah. Uh, but then I kind of noticed a lot of collectors in our store and I started doing a bunch of research at that time. The, like, the internet didn't really exist like it does yep. now right so you couldn't just google stuff sure so i, I went to I got golden age collectibles down the street bought a bunch of toy magazines and started like researching the old school way um and i i started to realize holy cow like we actually have a bunch of stuff in this store it was the biggest toy department in uh the bay has in like western canada i guess and uh and i was actually i was for whatever reason i was really kind of tech savvy yeah um so in 19 1994 i guess it was i built uh my own website called choicetoys.com and, oh, start, and started yeah started selling my own like uh it was my own business selling collectible toys like hot wheels barbies uh spice girls were massive at that time like 96 yeah um and so yeah soon actually I, I hate to admit this but i was one of those jerks like selling tickle me elmos for like hundreds of dollars <laughs> I, I still have this distinct memory of, of watching the news and and it had, they had this clip of these people fighting in a store over, and then me kind of looking over to a pile of like 50 that I had stacked in my living room. Um, so yeah, I was kind of, well, you know, Tamaguchi, all those crazes. Uh, yeah. I was kind of in, involved in those. And, and soon I was uh, spending way more than my salary just on toys and, and, uh, and re- reselling them. The, the, the purchasing of those toys got so out of control uh, the bay that they did an investigation on me and, and I ended up being fired. Oh man. Uh, apparently I was like violating a staff discount benefit or whatever. Okay. But, but by then choice toys had, um, was going like so strong that I really did actually, I didn't need my, my job at the bay or the discount or anything. Um, and then at that time, eBay was like, just, has yeah. just been launched. Right. Um, and I quickly became a power seller on their platform. Yeah. And I think at one point I was probably, one of the top three uh, biggest toy sellers on, on their platform, which like, if you were that now, yep. you know, you'd be like a <laughs> multimillionaire. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Man. So you were like one of the first e-retailers out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Choice toys was like, if there was that one point where you could, actually, I don't even know if Google existed, but if you did a search for toys, like choice toys would, would be like on that top kind of like list of, uh, Just a quick social media reminder for all things Capilano Blues on Twitter and on Instagram. We are at Capilano Blues. I imagine that, you know, that whole, you know, tech um, environment that you were in as a retailer at that time, like that's probably going to come back in some ways to Sports Canada TV. And we can, you can draw those parallels when we get to that chapter, but Wow, I had no idea about any of this. So thank you so much for uh, for walking us through that. I'm sure some people will remember that. Some hard hard hardcore toy collectors will remember Choice Toys. It was is news to me, but um, that was not my world. But that is uh, that's a pretty incredible story. And uh, thank you for uh, reliving it for us. Um, I guess uh, on the basketball trail where we kind of left off was you 
had been recruited from the Kitts Beach courts to uh, Cap, then Cap College by uh, Rich Cohey. Uh, he takes the Grizzlies job, but now you're enrolled at Cap and you're going to be going to Cap and probably, are, like you said, it's you know probably time for me to, to get some post-secondary under my belt. So like, what do you recall about getting started on campus um, and getting started with the team? I guess, what would this be, the fall of 98? Uh, yes, I guess it was fall of 98. I remember one of the things I remember actually was uh, we were in the SFU uh, summer league. Um, and, uh, and I remember we played SFU and, oh man, I wish, oh, Dave, oh, I wish I remember his last name. So we're, we're playing this, we're literally playing like this, the SFU uh, um, team at the time. And they were like, they were awesome back then. Dave Wall. Um, Dave Wall. Thank you. Um, yeah. and Gracchi actually, Pete Gracchi, Tony McCrory was Ram Jam they, still around then? I don't know. I can't remember, but I, all I remember is those two guys because they absolutely abused us. Like we're just like these, <laughs> you know, a bunch of goofballs from, from Cap. Um, Dave must have dunked on us like 15, like he had 30 points on dunks. Whoa. Uh, there at one point, Gracchi like uh backed down one of our, you know, our post player and like reverse dunked it on him like off two feet like it so the reason why i remember that so clearly is it really it it basically questioned everything like for me i'm like okay what am i doing like this is completely <laughs> out of my league like uh and i i feel like because i had no idea what post-secondary sports you know like i i'm still super naive like yeah. <laughs> my only basketball world is kids beat um and so i just remember driving home after playing that sfu team and it wasn't just that, like, it was like, it's kind of almost like an SFU all-star team, like summer league, they can combine years. It was just, it was stupid. Like we lost by like 80. Um, and I just remember going like, and kind of questioning like, oh, like, yeah, it's great that all these people told me I should be playing, but I didn't realize that Gracie was national team and Walt was, you know, a very special player. And I was just like, I can't play with you. Like, I, I kind of thought all college basketball was like that um Richard that, Anderson was probably on that team too yeah uh, Richie Anderson ended up being one of my teammates on the Marilomas and oh man uh, uh, like, what a like what a load was he like 250 or something like that yeah he we, like a linebacker he was incredible we we played I don't know if you remember but um we played um Jamal Crawford's team in the final of Dolphin yeah and, I remember hearing that he was there yeah yeah and so yeah so Richie was on our team and and Jamal just like like abused us but Richie actually um if it wasn't for Richie we would have got absolutely crushed but uh but anyways yeah so that year was pretty pretty naive and uh and so uh, uh, Todd Kazinka took over from Rich Kohi um and not it wasn't like I was it was like I wasn't the only guy recruited from Kids Beach the whole thing like I guess Kohi, uh, Rich Kohi had uh kind of asked a bunch of guys and, and actually another kind of funny story um, like two weeks before tryouts, I had gotten into it with somebody at Kids Beach, okay. um, a, a kid from Seattle or from the States. So actually, yeah, I think it was from Washington. Um, and, uh, and we like, it, it got kind of messy and, um, he, he basically just started like, like threatening me. Um, and, uh, and he was like, oh, you don't know me. Like I'm not from around here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so but we obviously nothing really kind of happened between us, but uh, two weeks later, there he is at, at our tryouts. 
Um, so he ended up being one of my teammates. And who's uh, that? Ah, so, uh, I can't. Why can't I? Do you have a Do you have a roster of my? Why can't I tweet? I know. So oh. this would be like the 98, 99 yeah. team. Is it Sean Newland? Nope, no, he was one of the point guards. Uh, oh, Damon. Da- yes. Damon, Damon Rozier. Yeah. 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 So I mean, it's funny because we we had that moment at Kid's Beach, but then, you know, obviously when we became teammates, we we would end up become, becoming friends. And um, but I still I'll still never forget, like, well my God, like <laughs> what you? an introduction. Yeah. What an introduction to your uh to your college basketball career, getting routed by SFU and then like having a guy that you just got into it with at kids beach is now your teammate like it was i guess a little bit of a steep learning curve yeah that year was just it was an absolute mismatch of like mismatch like just the most random people that we actually we we had a guy named chris wiggins i don't think like he didn't end up staying with the team but he had played at portland state um he was he was like he was an amazing player but just like all these random guys from all over the place kind of Put together there was no <laughs> cohesiveness uh, we ended up unfortunately that year was a complete mess we were playing against like there were some incredible teams back there including right. randy, randy norris langara team yeah i was so gonna we, ask about that so you yeah it was like the langara dynasty years yeah. ucc was good um yeah, yeah i mean it was it would have been tough to uh have success postseason in, in those years i would think uh, and on top of that, we ended up finishing the season with seven players because, uh, like, like it wasn't just that these guys were recruited from Kids Beach. A lot of these guys had, they had like, just to be blunt, they kind of had issues off the court and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, uh, and actually, I didn't even really, like, I didn't start on that team at the beginning of the year. Like, I still right. had no clue what I, I was doing. Um, at the, uh, I remember but I was kind of more or less the guy who put on a show during warm up. It was kind of funny. You know right. what I mean? Like I, yeah. I actually remember that one story is we were playing at OU uh, in Kelowna against OUC and I'm pretty positive. The rims there were a couple inches lower than regulation. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I was doing the most, like I was doing all my competition dunks and, and warm up, and there was a bunch of kids in the front row that were just going nuts. Um, <laughs> and so I, I think if, you know, like, I think they were kind of disappointed that I wasn't a starter. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and, but I remember checking in and uh, like, you know, whatever, midway through the first quarter. And I like, it was a, you know, side out. Like I, I inbound the ball, turned the ball over and literally got su- like, I got subbed out. Like, you know, I turned the ball <laughs> over my first second, subbed out. Yeah. And I just, I could just walk in and pass these kids. They were just like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but uh but thankfully oh, i guess thankfully uh we were you know our, our, my teammates were dropping like flies and and by midway through the season um i'd become a starter and and i i, I guess i i'm pretty positive like the from the day i became a starter on like my, during my whole career at cap i don't think i ever scored less than double digits wow. um so i ended up leading the team in scoring that year um and uh yeah and then the uh at the end of that like i actually ended up it was a horrible experience um and so kind of after the first term i knew that i didn't you know it wasn't for me um and i basically dropped out of school i I finished the year like i was one of the seven players but i kind of i just dropped out of school 
and uh and that was that for so was it so that's so 98 99 you finished the year but it's a weird year doesn't not a lot of fun for everybody you do take the next year off and then come back because you wind up playing again and for cap yeah so we at that that year because the, the team was such a mess uh mm-hmm. i um they like they got rid of the coach um and uh and they hired eberhardt right um, eberhardt yeah the uh so he, so joe acabellis the athletic director at the time basically had told Ebs that don't you're not bringing any of these players back the only two that he would recommend were uh were myself and basically my best friend on the team uh, rob robles right um and so i like but I, at that point i'd still kind of you know it wasn't for me but Ebs, i guess he saw a tape or heard about me uh he said troy like this is it's, it'll be different and i promise um, you know, I, I think my system is suited for you. We're kind of a run and gun. Um, and basically he, he like convinced me to come back. Um, so that, which meant I wasn't actually eligible for the first term because I'd failed out. Right. Um, so I had to kind of sit out, um, get your grades in order. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so he, he did a really great selling job on me and, and it inspired me to actually, you know, go back to school. Cause I, to be honest, like, I, I wasn't at, like I cap for, for school. Like I had, you know, I had started my business. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was only there because people were like, you need to be playing somewhere. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I passed my class and became eligible and, uh, and it was a completely different, uh, like, like Eves was right. It was a completely different world. Were you practicing through the fall though? Yeah. I was able yeah. to practice right. with the team. There was actually two other guys who weren't eligible mm-hmm. um, to play. And so it was quite a big, yeah, it, it kind of it, it sucked a bit because there was one player who was eligible that first term, Paris Jackson. Right, um, remember him? Yep, Carson yeah, Graham guy. Oh, excellent player, and he was um, uh, like he ended up playing football, but he was an right. excellent basketball player as well. Yeah, and he was like he used to be like Troy, and I can't wait to you know the second term when it's gonna like we're gonna be like a, you know Kobe and Shaq, we're gonna just kill it <laughs> kill it together. Um, but unfortunately, he he failed out in the first term, and so. Uh, uh, so we never had actually had the opportunity to play together. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that's the start of the Eberhard era. He would wind up he would wind up going to coach ten more seasons at Cap, but you were there for his first, uh, I guess, two seasons. Um, and like you said, he's he's a guy that I think to this day is known as an offensive minded coach. Probably a lot of fun to play for and sounds like he turned you loose because you just played three seasons. I mean, I guess, was it three and a half? Because two and, the, half, the, yeah. two, two and a half and two and a half seasons, you are the all-time leading scorer with 1,278 points. Um, no one else is even in uh, four digits and you did it in, in two well, and a half. No, in three and a half, like, three I played and a half two, seasons. Two, two and a half, half with Eberhardt right. and, and, that, and the initial year where actually I didn't really play the first half season right. as a rookie. Anyways, uh, yeah. So in a lot less games and seasons than they get now with five years, you're still up there and fairly comfortably in the lead. It looks like uh, atop the, the scoring charts for Cap. So like, what do you remember about playing under Ebes, as everyone calls them? Um, and just was, did he kind of just turn you loose or like focus things around you? How do you recall kind of the environment there? Uh, well, pretty much. It was like, I mean, one of the reasons, I, like, I'm, I'm not going to even, pre- there was better players than me that I played at Cap, but um, playing for Ebes, and I, I was a perfect fit for that system. 
Um, we also played with it. Like they, one of the guys who wasn't eligible, who kind of joined me midway through that second year was an awesome point guard, uh, Rob McCulland, uh, nicknamed right. Ukes, who had actually played for Yeebs, um in high school. Um, and I believe like if all time assist leader. Assist, yeah. Assist leader. Actually, it's kind of funny. I used to tease him that the reason why he's the league leader in assists every year was because of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was like, no, 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 hold up. You're, you're the, the leading scorer because of <laughs> like, because of him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we were a really awesome fit. Like he, he would literally just throw the ball on the other end and uh, I would just kind of use my speed to catch up and, and I was a pretty good finisher. So it, it was, it was so fun playing. Uh, I, I believe at one point I'll check with Eves, but I think he mentioned that we were the highest scoring team in North America uh, wow. at any, at any level. Problem was, I believe we had the worst defense in North America as well. So shoot it uh, before you turn it over. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, it was, uh, but it was a ton of fun. And, and uh, yeah, it was, like I can't, um, I couldn't think of any other way I would rather, uh, rather play. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. So while you were playing at uh, while you're playing at Cap, you play with Rob, who would go on to become an assistant coach. You play with a guy named Dwayne Selby, who would go yeah. on to become a coach at Cap. Um, Jordan, you probably came yeah. after yeah. you. Did you play no. with him or one so, one season? He became a coach. Like um, I wanted to ask you, like, did you see coaching in those guys' futures when you were playing with them? Um, no, actually, that's funny. <laughs> I, I was about to. No, I was about to answer. Like, I thought you were going to say, did I ever think of a coach? Oh, like, right. I was still, I was still clueless. Like, um, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. Like when I look back at even, even now, uh, I had no experience playing organized basketball. Like in high school, it was kind of a joke. Kick right. Beach, obviously is not experience. I actually, actually remember coach, like, you know, tryouts or whatever, dividing everybody and saying, okay, all the ones here, all the twos here. I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how absolutely. Uh, so that's why I kind of giggled when I was thought you were saying I, I, there was absolutely no way I, I would be able to coach. But those guys, uh, I, at that time, I probably didn't see it, but uh, uh, they were all like super passionate about basketball. So you knew that they were going to um, kind of be be involved. I actually never. Um, I, so Jordan, unfortunately, he failed out uh, in his like I only played with him for a term. He, he joined my fourth year. Right. Um, and actually kind of a nice story about that. Like, so Dwayne Selby at that time was our, uh, Ukes. I only played with you, Rob McCullen for those middle two years and, um, year two and year three. And, uh, and so Dwayne Selby ended up becoming our kind of starter in, in, but, but Robbie Robles was like my best friend was was also a point guard and he kind of got recruited over because Ebes had the opportunity to, to uh, recruit Jordan U from uh, Prince George, right. and so Rob at that point he was like Troy like you know I'm, you know we're, I'm not going to stick around for my fourth year like there's a couple point guards in front of me I'll never play um, I'm going to go move to Brazil, wow um, so with like he had family there and so one of like it's kind of funny like one of my best memories of all my years is, is after finding out that Jordan uh, failed out was I called uh, Robbie Robles in, in Brazil. And I'm like, Robbie, we need a point guard. Like, I need you to st basically stop your life there and come back, um, you know, basically get on the next plane and, and come be our point guard for the last term. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's almost like you, you remember those kind of stories with your teammates and stuff almost more than the games. 
sure. Um, so we had, we would end up like we're still lifelong friends, and and it was really cool that he kind of I felt what like a sales did, job he must have put on him. Uh, uh, this kind of shows you like the friend he was. Like he, yeah, you know, he had no reason to fly across the you know a continent and, and come back. And um, but yeah, that was that was amazing. Oh, thank you for for sharing that recollection. I I can't believe the stories we've gotten out of you today. Stuff yeah. I didn't know about at all. I was gonna mostly stick to like you know, what do you remember about this player or that player but like so much interesting stuff just about your personal background on your way to on your way to cap so um i it mean was, you yeah go it ahead was, it was funny because when you first asked me uh, like to be honest when you first asked me to be on this po- podcast i was like oh, i was a bit surprised because relatively speaking i didn't i didn't really have that much success in, in basketball um i'm not even like i'm not even the most accomplished basketball player in my house my, my girlfriend leanne evans won a national championship with ubc she played on the national team she played professional in australia and sweden so <laughs> you know it kind of puts it in perspective but but then i kind of thought it over and i was like oh you know i actually kind of have a unique basketball story and a lot of the parts of it that people didn't know about is she from the evans <clears throat> family like was her dad the coach at langara no no no, no. Okay. She played at Port Moody. She was just recently named, uh, I don't know if you saw that article, like the top 40 high school players of all time that Howard wrote. And uh, she was listed on there as well. So, yeah. Not even the best basketball player in his own house. No. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, Amy, you still had a lot of personal success. I know, you know, Cap didn't get on the podium of the, of the Pac West playoffs when you were there, but you were filling it up. Like do you, is there a particular game you remember? Like, did you ever get to 50? Like you must've had 40 a few times to get to the point total that you wound up. Like, is there a particular game you remember where you really, where you're really filling it up? Um, I, for whatever reason, I feel like Eves would sub me out every time I hit 38. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I just remember hitting 38, like half a dozen times, maybe a dozen. Like, that just seemed to be uh, the number. I, I did. I hit 50 on a couple of exhibition games. Uh, like I remember playing our, our our provincial team. I mean, they were only 17 years old, but I hit a three pointer to put it into overtime. Like they were an awesome team, really good players. Um, yeah, just some exhibition games, but never in a league game. I, I feel like um, a, lot, a lot of times it was, you know, like if I ever got to that number, we were probably winning by a lot as well. Sure. Um, so it's actually quite like, that's why you don't see, like, you don't see it too often that like um, 40 minutes scoring in the forties, but uh, even on the system that we ran, um, and we had to, like, I had some awesome back, like some, we had some pretty good players on our team. The other thing that is kind of shocking, like when I look back at our team, we were massive. Like, I think if you look at one year, if I'm not mistaken, we probably had five or six guys over six, six. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you just don't really, like we had a seven footer on our team. Uh, the really? Team, Who's that? Uh, B- Bazan. Like, we had the Bazan brothers on our team. Craig Bazan was seven feet and I think his brother was six eleven. Wow. Um, so, or maybe six ten or six. Uh, yeah. Like they were big right. boys. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah like i think i guess because there's been so much expansion um you just don't really you know like because there's so many cis teams or esports teams now sure you know if you're big you're yeah you know you get picked up by one of them because there's so many of them so back then the league was one of the guys i played against was ryan porter yeah Uh, he's on my he's on my list of people to ask you about he was a player of the year i don't know well if it was while you were playing or after but a uc guy at ucc was the cca player of the year so my my second year yeah um and he was what six six ten i guess 
Um, but yeah, there are some some big boys back in 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 the league then. Right, and then you also you know after the Langara dynasty, I mean they were still a good program, but they they went back to back probably the first two year two years you were playing, and then the UFV dynasty, yeah, the UCFE dynasty started up with. Uh, Wayne, Wayne, Jones. Wayne Jones, I guess yeah. Pat McKay was probably there. These are guys I actually played against in high school. I remember seeing from my spot on the bench in high school, I should say. But yeah, um, yeah what, like Wayne Jones, a little Australian left-handed point guard. What do you remember about him? Um, I don't remember. All I remember about Fraser Valley was they beat the crap out of me. Like oh. I believe, I have to check with Eve on this too, but I'm pretty sure it took 24 free throws in Whoa. a game. Against, so they, they basically made a, kind of almost like a rule like they they just wouldn't let me get a basket like they would just put me on the floor um and uh yeah they they just <laughs> i don't remember any of the players i just remember like going what the hell just happened after like, they would still beat us pretty good but i would take a lot of free throws against them um who else did they have? peter or peter wathy i think yeah yeah they yeah they had some really i don't know if logan kidderingham was might have been the last year yeah i can't I, I can't really remember some of those players but i just so, dug, dug into the archives going yeah. back to your to your points in a game story so that the, according to our records the most points in a game is 40 three different times twice by chris porteous who i think came a year after you yeah. and once by a guy named shelly dobbins in 1989 so uh-huh. apparently you're right we ebs yeah. would get get you to 38 then he'd sit you down so <laughs> he wasn't yeah. aware of the record book apparently yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and actually, uh, I still remember, like, Chris Porteous is an interesting story, because I kind of grew up with him a little bit. Uh, he went to Kitts, yep. um, and so obviously he was a, a staple at Kitts Beach, and I kind of got to watch him grow up. So, and he was, like, he was the best player, you know, him and his teammate, Levon. Levon Kendall, yeah. Yeah, two best players, um, in basically in high school, and uh, and so it was a bit, I, I, I like to, you know, like, it was kind of, I, I felt like I was part of something at Cap, because you know, if it wasn't for our teams and, um, you know, like, and I actually, I remember having to sit, sit down with, with Chris and saying, you know what, go to cap for a year. Um, you know, like kill it, like get some grades, you get your grades up and, and then move on. And I think, cause he knew me pretty well. Um, I, I think he kind of saw cap as a, as an option. And, and that year was amazing, right? They, they want, they, uh, my, my ex-teammate and still one of my really good friends, Tim Pershick, Jordan, you and, and Chris, those three guys, um, you know, were basically the three guys that led them to the, to the championship the year after I left. Right. Yeah. Um, who else should I ask you about? Uh, oh, I wanted to ask you about Brian McLennan because he's the, he's the athletic director at Douglas college. Now yeah. uh, he's a guy you would have competed against, probably not guarded. He's a different position, I think, but um, you know, what yeah. do you remember? He was an older guy. He was kind of a little bit like yourself, like an yeah. older guy that still had college eligibility left. Like, what do you remember about him as a player? I think he was on an all-star team with you one year in the Pac West. Yeah. I think we were both like first team uh, one year. Yeah. Again, we didn't really, you know, like I, we didn't ever match up against each other, but, but he definitely gave our, uh, our big guys some trouble. And uh, yeah, it was kind of neat. Cause he was like, you mentioned a bit older. So uh, it's so it's just so funny that we're still you know like in my still work together role. exactly yeah. yeah we still connect every once in a while um so <laughs> as you uh progress through your cap you career like i don't know if the record book was intact in those days like uh, milt williams has done a great job in putting it in order and so i have 
things to refer to nowadays, but like, were you, were you aware, were people aware that you were the leading uh, scorer of all time when you finished? Uh, well, I, I remember the only time I started becoming aware that I was, you know, scoring a ton of points was my, uh, Ebes kind of made a little bit of a fuss for the, when I scored my thousands point. Okay. Um, they actually hit, it was kind of funny. They, um, it was the only, I only scored 10 points. I it was like my, probably the lowest I'd scored. And so we were, um, I think I needed 12 points or something to, to, uh, take it to my thousands and right. we were playing Camosun. And, uh, and so Eves had already, like, there was no way I was going to, you know, only score like 10 points or whatever. So Eves had told the other coach, look, we're going to stop the game. We're going right. to Troy the ball and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, like I, <laughs> that was my, my like career low that oh, I did, you know, it was just like one of the worst. We also got, uh, actually my, <laughs> my, it was a great, I have a great story for that too. It was probably one of our worst games of the season as a whole. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it like, uh, Eves did something kind of legendary that, that game. Um, <laughs> he, he, uh, like we were just getting like crushed. Like they were basically outrunning us like the, the running team. Yeah. Um, and he, he calls a timeout <laughs> and, and then like, and we all, you know, we go to our positions and wait for him. And he's just like staring at us, like not saying a word. Right. And then, and then, so we're all, like, it's starting to get uncomfortable uh, <laughs> a, a minute later, like the time, you know, we get a warning. Okay. Your timeout is over yeah. and, and still no word. And then they, they, like the rest were like, okay, you know, your timeouts, and we're all starting to get up and he's like, sit down. And he's like, timeout. <laughs> we're like, what, what, what? So he calls three timeouts in a row oh, just to stare at us. And then <laughs> like, he's out of timeouts. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, he's like, damn, I wish I had more timeouts because the last thing in the world I want to look at is you guys playing basketball. And so we all like, and the gym is silent. Like the gym is just like watching us. The Everyone. whole, like there's nobody's talking, like they can hear him clearly. It was just so humiliating. Like we're all just, you know, walking on the court and, and, uh, and just, yeah, we got beat down pretty good in that game. But you got uh, the ball and you got your thousandth point, I guess. Yeah, no, like, the, yeah, the next game, like I, <laughs> then, I had, then, ended up. Uh, so you didn't get there that game. Okay. No, we, yeah, that's why it was so weird. Like it, yeah. it, it was kind of funny that he had made arrangements. He didn't even bother with the arrangements the next game. I think he was so pissed. <laughs> it was like a back-to-back. It was against VIE <laughs> the next night. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then I guess um, when, I, when I beat, I don't even know who I passed. Uh, Maybe uh, Chris Reimer? Oh no! I, oh, oh, he he didn't make a fuss about any of the cap. Like it was all the pack, like the BCA records. Right. Um, yeah. Like I don't. Yeah, we had no idea. We had no cap records at that at that point. Okay. Um, but it was yeah. Like I, I spent I guess um, about sixteen years as a leader of the the BCA as well. Not just right. Yeah, so. and that was you were only recently uh, unseated there. Yeah, by a so. Douglas, Douglas player a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. Anyways, so, but yeah, still comfortably atop the the Blues all-time scoring leaders. But yeah, a guy the guy that comes before you that may have been the leader is a guy Chris Reimer. I don't know if you know the name. Yeah, yeah. But um, he may have been the guy that you would yeah. have passed at the time. And there's a couple guys behind you now that are more recent, including uh, Marty Bogayev, who's still with us. He's yeah. uh, in third place all time. So, anyways, um, all those stats are on our website. If anyone's interested, but uh, yeah, you're still the only guy that's cracked the thousand point mark according to our stats. So, um, so anyway, I actually ahead. I saw the like the listings and it was hilarious. That I actually my like 
I guess I probably, you know, I played a lot of games, but you know, my teammates would constantly bug me about not passing the ball. But, oh, wow. uh, but at one point, I think I'm still on the, like I was deep low on the assist list somewhere. Yeah. You're so, still on the assist list. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to like tease them a little bit about that because clearly I passed it to somebody. <laughs> yeah. 22nd all time on assists. <laughs> there, there you go. So yeah, you did give it up once in a while. <laughs> um, so anyways, I guess uh, your cap career winds down. Um, did you, did you think there was a possibility or um, of, of a future playing after your cap career wound down? Well, after my third year, like I was actually, you know, I was getting interest for, from some universities and, and, uh, and Eves and I basically kind of had this chat. Um, and he, like, at that point, I'm, I'm Portuguese, like, uh, like my family's from Portugal. Right. And so he was like, and I was older, right? I'm, at this point, I'm like 28. So he was like, you know, like, why not play one more year here? Like, you're part of kind of like this building legacy. Um, play another year here, and then we'll we'll try and get you, you know, overseas and, and play in Port, like, to play in Portugal. Um, and so, like, I was, you know, I was in my degree program. It, it kind of made a lot of sense uh, for me just to just to stay at Cap, um, and I like the idea of going to, going to Portugal after um and so we so i ended up doing that like after my um after my senior year they kind of hooked up hooked me up with a team in portugal and i got to try out on, on this team but unfortunately it was like i like 9 11 was i guess the year before like right. there yeah um and things were so different there when, when it comes to like um <clears throat> like your citizenship international travel yeah yeah so citizenship so i at that point, I was just a Canadian citizen, uh, but my mom and everybody, my family was all dual. And so we were applying to get my dual citizenship, but there was just a ton of red tape for whatever reason. Yep. And when the, one of the big problems like catches was that my mom actually changed her name when she moved to, uh, my mom has nine names. Like, Whoa. Um, I, I Long five. Portuguese name. Yes. Yeah. De Silva probably in there somewhere. <clears throat> and so she, um, so the, her, the records that I brought over there for my citizenship actually didn't match her, the Canadian and the Portuguese. And so it was just a like, you know, I, I spent, I was there for like, you know, five or six weeks, I guess. And, uh, and honestly, like more time with paperwork than with the team, like just trying to get all this stuff sorted. Um, so I ended up like, I kind of ended up just kind of giving up, um, after a while, the, there, there was no way I was ever going to like those teams. There was no way I was going to make it as a import. Like the, those teams are the, the, the players who are imports on those, on those pro teams. Are That'd all, be impact guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're NCAA, um, NCAA guys. One the guy on our team was, um, uh, Joby Thomas, who was like the last guy of the golden state warriors, um, we ended up, it was kind of cool because I was like the only, I can understand Portuguese. He couldn't speak a word of it. So, right. um, it was kind of neat for me to, to develop a little bit of a friendship with him because, um, like I was the only guy who could basically speak English. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, so I had kind of the option. I'm like, you know, I could stay <clears throat> playing the division two, but at that point, like I said, like, and now I'm like 29 like turning 30 kind of thing right and i'm like maybe i should just get on my life like division two isn't you know it's not really you don't get paid a lot or whatever right um so so because the citizenship stuff didn't work out and i didn't wasn't basically good enough to stay as an import i just decided to, to come back <clears throat> and get on with my life really gotcha so 
I mean, did any of your, did any of your cap you coursework or like just experience you had, like, I know, um, in those days, the, the women's AAA basketball provincials or the girls high school basketball provincials were played at cap. And I think you talked about webcasting then, like, I, I guess we're progressing towards like sports Canada TV and how that came about. Um, did I mean you, you said you're a little bit tech savvy for your age, like through the '90s with the start of the internet, and you were an e-retailer and all that stuff? Like, I guess how did we get from you winding down your your taste of pro basketball and coming back home and getting set up on on your way to Sports Canada TV? So at Cap, I ended up doing business, uh, which okay. was a which was a great fit. Yep, because um, I was kind of entrepreneurial. Um, but I actually it's funny. I ended up never finishing my degree. I, have, I think I have like three courses left, um, but I, you know, like my life just started moving on and went with different businesses and, and work. So I never actually finished it. I, I don't really, I, I sometimes I, like, I shouldn't say this, but I'm like, if I ever have to finish my degree, that means something went wrong because, you know, I've had kind of good success with business sure. and stuff. And you had a um, lot of practical experience by this point yeah. under your belt, oh, which is sure. unusual for, for that kind of uh but anyways, yeah. that was your that was your pathway. Yeah, and so at Cap, um, one of the reasons why I was able to get like I wasn't a student like like I had I'd been kicked out of two high schools. Um, I just wasn't a great student, but thankfully I was tech tech savvy, so I was taking courses that I could pass without attending at, at like you know like kind of computer like business admin like learning Excel like all these kind of computer-based courses, mm -hmm. uh, which I could literally just show up for the exam and, and, and kill it. Um, and so, I mean, obviously it wasn't like that throughout, like business degree has some real courses. Sure. Um, so I ended up having to, you know, to buckle down a bit. But yeah, that, that was, um, you know, like I, earlier in this podcast, I mentioned that I wouldn't have gone to school um, if it wasn't for basketball, but thank God I did because, you know, I, when I look back, oh, you know, having choice toys in Hooptown before I learned yeah. all these business, yep. you, you know, like, like, uh, skills was, yeah. yeah like it was one of the reasons for fa failure. So right. yeah, getting, learning all that, uh, definitely kind of shaped, you know, things to, things to come for sure. So uh, sorry, sorry to yeah. cut you off, finish up what you were going to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one of the things you mentioned, like, and so I actually ended up, working at the front desk there at cap for, for okay. a little bit. Right. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that I was kind of goof, goofing around with was what webcasting. And so you're like, you mentioned, like back then we hosted the, uh, a cap hosted the triple a girls finals, uh, high school provincials. And I was kind of friends with, uh, last time Gucci, the guy who, who ran it. Okay. And I was like, you know what, like, let me, uh, let me see if I can figure out broadcast like because they used to sell out the place. Right. Was, yeah, I remember going to a couple of those games. Yep. Yeah. And so I was like, it would be really cool if we could kind of webcast this. Webcast. Like at that point, that it didn't exist. Like we're talking, right. I think, 2008. Yeah. And as far as I know, the 2008 women's high school or the girls' high school championships was actually the first high school or post-secondary event ever streamed in Canada completely. Like, so it's kind of a neat, uh, uh, and, and so soon and Capilano ended up being, I think we streamed at the very, it was us in like, yeah, I think UNB, okay. um, in 2009, like we were the first two schools to, to have events basically. That's the university of New Brunswick. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so it's kind of a neat. Uh, and was like, was it just like, was it under the school's banner? Or was there a company that it was attributed to? No, it was just like it, um, at that point we didn't even like I had had Sports Canada. I just thought right. it was like I had pulled it off for the high school girls, um, and so I was like, hey, should we try this for? But it was it wasn't even I don't even know. I think the first time we did, I don't even know if I told. I guess it would have been Milt at that time. Like, yeah, I, I was probably at the front desk and I was goofing around. There's a computer at the front desk, and yep. uh, I probably pointed a camera right like sitting on my desk, and yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I was actually kind of goofing around when Chris Ufford, another guy who played for Cap, right? Um, we were kind of like, bringing, like, hey, this might be a cool idea to to do for college games as well. Yeah. And so we we started doing Cap, and um, it was kind of a one like a bit of a snowball. You, you, as soon as you start doing other schools, hey, sure. you know, we want we'll, we'll try that. Yeah. And uh, and then soon, uh, I pitched it to UBC. Yep. Um, and you know, as soon as you know, UBC starts like sure. one of the one of the keys to what i did was with sports canada was i because i had such a good relationship being an ex-player and staff and everything i was able to kind of because of my knowledge of the conference i knew who the leaders and the followers were sure uh, and so you know you, you show it to somebody who's a leader and then the, the others start to follow so in no time i think uh, we launched towards canada yeah probably like 2000 uh, i don't you know maybe a few years later and we you know it was the first network in Canada for, for streaming sports for, for right. that level. Uh, yeah. And eventually, eventually all the schools or the conferences started building their own networks right. and we're, we're heavily involved in that, as you know, like with PacWest TV. Sure. Yep. So when you say we launched, who is we in those days? Uh, well, Chris was with me for a bit, yeah. but yeah. unfortunately like there wasn't a whole lot of money in it back then. Sure. Uh, and so, and, and then he had started a huge, like he has three kids and got married and uh, so he kind of, you know, he was a bit too busy to, at that point, you know, I was doing it off the side of my, actually, I was working at Basketball BC. Right. It was, more, it was more, a lot of the events that we were doing was for Basketball BC. Like we would mm -hmm. do national, Canada basketball national championships. And then I started to realize that this could be a business in itself. And so it wasn't really until years later when I just decided I would stop working at Basketball BC completely and, right. uh, and treat it as a full-time uh, business. So now bring us to the present day with Sports Canada. Um, kind of list off some of your, obviously you work with the Pac West and all the teams in it, some of your other clients and how far is the reach for Sports Canada TV today? It's way beyond like what I ever, you know, I, I didn't, to be honest, I don't even think I thought I would make a lit, like it was enough to live off. Right. Um, but now it's, it's crazy the amount, like uh, we work, we basically are asked to do sports that don't make it to TV. Sure. So anything kind of under that. So we do, you know, like we did FIBA, right. We we've done, we, we just did the, the Olympic qualifiers for the women's national right. uh, te team right before the pandemic. Uh -huh. um, you know, we've, we've done our senior men's national team a bunch of times for basketball, volleyball. Um, we are some of our clients, obviously Canada, basketball, volleyball, Canada, soccer, Canada, football, Canada. We do all football, Canada, national right. championships. Um, yeah, we've done a ton of, uh, actually in, I guess, 2012, this is kind of, this is how sports Canada kind of blew up a little bit. Les, who I mentioned was a friend from the, who ran the high school girls. That's Hamaguchi. Yeah. Les, yeah. So he, uh, he actually has a t-shirt printing company that he does the t-shirts for all his championships. So he has a friend that, that runs uh, like basically um, softball and whitehorse and basically almost 
you don't like in white horse you run almost all the sports so he's sure. very uh george arcan he basically runs sports in up north and they uh the the world championships for women's soft or for women's softball was being held up there okay and so george was researching you know he was finding out uh, how much it would cost to broadcast, blah, blah, blah. And they found out for, you know, just for CBC to move the truck, sure. like the broadcast, just to move it to Whitehorse, not to produce anything, was going to cost 100 grand. Yep. And so Les heard about this. Like he was, George was telling this to Les. And Les was like, hey, my friend was just streaming our, you know, high school girls championship. Like, why don't you, try, you know, think about doing that? Yeah. And so, and so George, he connected me with George. And I was like, George, like, hell, we will bring a bunch of students up and we'll, you know, we'll do all 50 of your world championship games for like 50 grand, like yeah. for a fraction of, and he was like, like, okay, let's, let's try it. Like, and it yeah. was crazy. Cause we didn't, you know, this was very early in sports Canada. And I, to be honest, like we, you know, I learned a lot. Like, right. did you commit to that? Not sure that you could actually oh, one, do it. 100%. Like I had no <laughs> clue. I didn't even like my first email was emailing, uh, btit and said hey do you guys have some students i can bring up to whitehorse and hopefully they're broadcast students that know how to do this yeah um and, and you have to remember like webcasting isn't like it's so new for everybody so you know as much as i say i didn't know anything i was also a bit of a pioneer yep. you know like it was you know like we when i look back at that event it, it was garbage compared to what we do now right but the way the, the world saw it yeah. Like it was a hit. The fact it was even out there was amazing. It, it, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. So the feedback we got, we ended up doing like four more world championships for softball. Um, and uh, yeah, like a lot of that crew that I brought up that are, are still friends to this, like, you know, their crew that we use to this day. Mm. And we always laugh about how just absolutely, you know, we, we just had no idea what, what we were doing, but, but you figured uh, it out. Yeah. And actually the, I think the third pitch, of the event was a foul ball that uh that basically took out one of our cat like our sure you know we didn't yeah. have backup cameras or anything like we had <laughs> I, I knew, knew nothing so yeah, yeah it, it crushed one of our like you know and i had invested in all these cameras and yeah uh, yeah just boom per, like you know first inning <laughs> that, that, that one's out and i'm like you know running around trying to pet oh man um, but uh yeah it was it, it was really cool to uh it, that gave me a lot of confidence right that was like oh my god like i'm doing a world championship event um and so uh so since then we've probably done a couple of dozen you know world championships and and and, and obviously like there's not a lot of money in amateur sports but when you start doing events to that level um you, you know it, it becomes more of a business right uh, um uh, could you pick a couple of events that have stood out as highlights to you? Like you mentioned the FIBA stuff, international basketball, like the, the national teams for Canada, that softball event sound very unique up yeah. North in Whitehorse. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I would, I, I would say like definitely bat, like basketball is still my passion, right? So sure. it's really cool. Like, you know, we did the, we did the, the our national team game versus China in, in GM place. And, and um the two like so i'm actually really close to the two pauls right paul eberhardt and paul trenza and yeah. they were the two coaches of yeah. uh, paul was one of my high school teammates i didn't even mention that so paul trenza yeah was, was you know part of that crew that basically made me play basketball as a, okay you know so so there's a lot of connections there. so i actually got the you know when we when i got the go ahead to, to do that game i think that game was actually it was a gm place okay um in 20, oh, 2010 maybe 
Okay. And so uh, I invited Eberhardt and Sharenza to be the com- commentators. And, and Ebs also brought his brother in um, to be the other, com- like there, we had three commentators. Okay. But here we are, we're doing like, you know, this is like Kelly Olenek, like we're doing a world-class event, yep. you know, in GM place. And, you know, and it's just this kind of little setup that I, I did cap games. Uh, so it was kind of a neat, uh, and it was so cool to include those guys. Cause they're, if you, by the way, if you, your next guest, like get those. And, and if you can get turns and Eberhardt yeah. in the same, the stories <laughs> that those two guys will be able to tell. Okay. Just, uh, amazing. Cause they, you know, they were also coached for 10 years, you know, those, that, that 10 years that Eves did or whatever it was, uh, Trenza was there as well. So they became pretty close friends as well. Right. Eves would, it was kind of a, a funny scenario for me because here I am with my he's my best friend basically Paul Trenza um and he's the coach of the women's team right and uh you know and my coach you know it's just it was a funny little world for me yeah uh, you know and and like I hate to say it but you know I would there was a couple of times where I was dating players on Paul's team so it was kind of a little bit you know I'm a player on the guys team and he's the coach of the women's team he's also my roommate so uh-huh. the, whole, the whole thing was kind of a bit, bit weird, but um, I don't know how, I guess you probably don't know Paul that well, but he's, a, he's just, he's the best. And uh, he was so great for the, the cap program and, and, and turning the women's program around as well. Yeah. I've heard uh, a bit about him. I've not met him, but i um, heard a bit about him through Jen Bodner who played yeah, for him. Yeah, she, yeah. He recruited her to cap and that's quite a story too, but yeah, I will try and track down some of the coaches. Like so far we've just um, been talking to former athletes, but yeah, I mean, there would be some phenomenal stories from some of the coaches and all of our sports. So we will definitely put the name on the list for sure. Um, but uh, what else did we want to, we kind of covered through to Sports Canada TV up to present yeah. day, I guess. Um, I guess maybe we can get now into sort of a little bit of a, a little bit of a lightning round. I'm going to throw some, some questions at you and uh, just let you respond however you like. Um, so I'm going to start off with the best player you ever played with or against is who? Um, at cap, definitely Randy Nor. Um, Randy Nor was head and shoulders. Like he was just so much better than the next guy actually. Um, and, and Randy, oh man, like he, he would be my nightmare for like the next 10 years to like, we would play men's leagues and stuff. And I think my record against him is probably like, one in a hundred it's it's ridiculous like i mean my, mind you he did always put these amazing players around him yeah but uh but yeah randy uh one, one quick story and ebs will remember this too i guess it was the, the summer before ebs's year uh we were playing uh in the langara summer league and i guess one of our high one of our, our new recruits some high school punk started like chirping randy i guess he didn't know who randy was <laughs> okay and uh and randy like literally scored i think 30 consecutive points after that like either a three or an or an like it was just an and one three and it, it was the craziest thing i'd ever seen and yeah. uh and eves went in and just ripped our like he's like don't ever talk chat trash to someone who you don't you know like know who, who you're who you're dealing with but that just showed you how Randy Nor was in complete control of the of, of the entire league that year that's a, uh, so there's a real michael jordan feel to it like yeah. you hear a lot, heard a lot of those stories when, if you watch the last dance, which I'm, I'm going to guess that you did up yeah. and down. Yeah. Um, that, that reminds me a lot of 
the way that Jordan would respond to people chirping him too. Yeah. So he um, was, he was actually underrated, like, which is crazy. Cause he, you know, he was player of the year too. I right. just remember, but we, we actually got the opportunity also to broadcast the Vancouver Titans, the, se- the semi-pro team that okay. was playing yeah. at the, and we were streaming them. And so of course I got my two favorite commentators, Terenza and Eberhardt to do, to do those games. Yeah. But as soon as they, Randy, like they were pretty bad. Uh-huh. And it was a team full of D1, ex-D1 players. Yeah. But then Randy Nord joins the team, and they go on a crazy winning streak. Wow. Like, it just kind of shows you how <clears throat> how good he really was. Um, and then in, in terms of the best player I'd ever played, like, with or against, like, was, was that Joby Thomas guy uh, right. on the Portuguese team. He had, he had just led the NCAA in, uh, in three-point percentage on UNC okay. Charlotte. And okay. like I mentioned, like, last cut of the Golden Warriors, Golden mm-hmm. State Warriors. The craziest thing about him is, um, like, I always prided myself on high, how high I jump. This yep. guy, as soon as he crossed center, he could just, he was, like, he was automatic. And so to combine that with jumping skills that were, um, like, probably higher, like, he could jump higher than I could. So it was wow. so frustrating. Like, at least, usually I always had my jumping kind of like, oh, I can jump higher than that guy. Like, but to combine like just unlimited range with athleticism, it yeah. kind of, it, that really opened my eyes to how good NBA players sure. really are. You right. I mean, for him to you be, you look cap- at a guy with those gifts and you're like, this guy is not good yeah. enough to stick yeah. in the how NBA. Is- like, how is that possible? Yeah. And he was like, and I asked him, I'm like, okay, I don't get this. Like you're, you know, you pass center, you jack threes. Like, how are you cutting? He's like, to be honest, like it's, I'm six, four, like yeah. and I'm a shooting guard. Like they're yeah. like, can you guard Kobe? Like, can you, like, <laughs> Right. You know, and so that was the reason why he, ended, I mean, he ended up like having an incredible year in, in Europe and making a ton of money. He did, like, he moved up to, he played in Portugal for like a year and then moved up the ranks. So. Okay. Well, I was, uh, thank you for sharing that story. Those stories. That's um, I, I think we're, we touched on a couple of things that are going to lead us into this next question. Um, you wore the number 23, I think for your entire cap career. So I don't know if this is even a debate for you, but who is who is the greatest of all time? Who's the best basketball player? Oh man, some of my buddies like Paul. I tell him this all like he he hates this. Okay, so Michael Jordan one hundred percent was my like growing up my hero. Like he, yeah. he was the reason I was twenty three. Uh, the number twenty three actually had this weird. That's a long story, but I, yeah, it was very uh, very much Michael Jordan. But to be honest, like I just watching what, what LeBron does, I can't. It, it's just like I'm one of the guys I'm not like one of the typical old school guys who are like oh the league was so, the yeah. guy the guys now are incredible athletes just yep. like dunking has gone to another level like you know the Durant like I can't imagine what Durant or or Steph would do in in the leagues back then like I don't think people really grab or even LeBron like people are oh it's it's a way more physical LeBron is made for that yep um so I just I don't in in my eyes, I actually think LeBron has kind of taken over uh, Jordan as as the number one. Um, but yeah, a lot of my guys from high school, or you know, they're all the old school guys who are like, ah, back in my day, you yeah. know, blah blah blah. So they are they they're probably surprised when I when I say that. Um, moving on to uh, I threw I threw this at you in our in our pre interview. Can you recommend a binge worthy show or something you got hooked on at one point? Uh, well, right now I'm watching. Last chance to you basketball. Um, okay, uh, loving it. Uh, but I would say my my favorite show ever was uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Yes. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that was that. That's going to be on a lot of the 
on those yeah. binge worthy lists. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something we can end off on that's, that's appropriate. Cause those are two quick answers that uh, are both very appropriate. Um, what about, okay. So you're, you're getting, uh, you're getting ready to have a nice meal at home with Leanne. Like you're in charge of cooking. What's your go-to meal? Um, my go-to meal, actually we, so we do chef's plate now. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and I know like, you know, unfortunately I'm the worst cook ever and, and she loves to cook. So um, it's, it's been a hit. Like I totally recommend it. Like, and, and I'm very, very blessed. Like she, we even have it almost like a surprise. Um, she doesn't even tell me what she's ordering. So I, I just love it. But uh, actually kind of a funny story with meals. Um, my lasagna is probably my favorite meal. Sure. And I'm probably one of the things that a lot of my teammates would remember is Can't go my, pre, my pregame meal. So, yeah. you know, those, those 10 person, huge lasagnas, yeah. that, those giant ones. I used to eat half of one of those oh, man. Dur- during the women's game pre before Whoa. our game. So man. for whatever, for whatever reason, I don't I think loved, they recommend that nowadays. No, no. Uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, I wanted to be like a lot of guys love light shorts, light shoes, light for yeah. whatever reason, even though I was kind of like a high flyer, I wanted to be as heavy as possible. Huh. So I loved this, like eating a ton. I loved really heavy shorts to have, you know, get me the heaviest basketball shoes. Um, I, I don't yeah. know why that was like that, but uh, it's kind of another unique thing. Well, it worked for you, but yeah, maybe you would have cracked 40 if you uh, <laughs> yeah. packing yeah. around all those carbs. <laughs> well, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today, Choil, and um, hopefully it was fun for you too. I, I, some of those stories I had no idea and it just, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to hear your recollection of all your times leading into cap at cap and afterwards, just a super unique story. Um, thanks so much yeah. for taking what was probably a bit more of your time than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having me. It was fun, really fun to kind of go through memory lane with you. Uh, all right. Thanks so much. And, uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you around the gym, hopefully soon. Perfect. Thanks. And there you have it, sports fans. A discussion with the Blues men's basketball all-time leading point getter and founder of SportsCanada.tv, Choyle Brown. Great conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Looking forward to catching you next time. We'll be here on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.